What is the think tank? According to Cambridge English Dictionary, a think tank is defined as a group of experts who are brought together to develop ideas and give advice on a particular subject. The think tank is an incubator designed to facilitate innovative change, spark meaningful connections, and build networks and communities constructed to propagate new ideas and catalyze productive, hyperconscious action. The role of this think tank is to help you explore the depths of your subconscious mind. You will learn how to turn your thoughts into actions that will amplify growth and allow you to crush your goals. I'm your host, Alex Fink. Now it's time to embark on the journey of a lifetime. Let's grab our scuba gear and dive deep into the think tank. Welcome, welcome to another very special episode of the Think Tank Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Think. Dive on in. The water is fine. What's up, Dive Tribe? Your man, Alex Think here, back again with another amazing episode of the Think Tank Podcast. Today, we are featuring my man, Justin Cavallero. Justin is the CEO of SocialX. VA Connections, and Total Property Solutions. He's got three different businesses. He's a young entrepreneur that is creating masterminds, creating events, and creating businesses that are absolutely changing the game for any and all entrepreneurs. Guys, you are not going to want to miss this episode. I do want to preface this episode by saying that in post-production, I did realize that I completely forgot to change the mics on the audio software so it was only running through the microphones on my computer so bear with me on the sound quality here but I guarantee there is so much knowledge dropped in this episode you're not gonna want to miss it so stay tuned and without further ado let's dive on in Welcome to another very special episode of the Think Tank Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Think. Dive on in. The water is fine. Today, we have my man, Justin Caballero here. He is the founder of Social X Events, Total Property Solutions, VA Connections. This guy is crushing the entrepreneurship game. What's up, my man? Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the Dive Tribe? Who is Justin Caballero? How'd you come to be? First off, I love that intro. <laughs> that was awesome. Um... And thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. It's been great uh, talking with you and connecting with you the past couple of weeks. Definitely a pleasure, man. Yeah, so my name is Justin Caballero. Uh, born and raised in Louisiana. Okay. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Went to uh, college at University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, the Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> and um, moved to Tampa about two and a half years ago. Started Total Property Solutions with my father. And uh, we can go into... I guess a lot more stuff since then. A little bit more than that. Okay. Yeah. So I normally start off my podcasts with a quote. And so it's one of my favorite quotes. I say life is like a bow and arrow. It'll pull you back and pull you back waiting to shoot you off in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Steady, aim, bullseye. So this quote defines the inflection points, the aha moments, the defining moments of purpose in people's lives, those paradigm shifting moments. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and highlight some of those paradigm shifts for you. What were those inflection points for you? Wow. That's a great question. Yeah, so about seven months ago, I had the biggest life shift, I would say. Um, you know, I was running Total Private Solutions with my father. We've renovated over 200, I think it's 238 houses over wow. the past two and a half years. Uh, but seven months ago, I really sat down and it was actually on a family vacation at the beach. It was Thanksgiving night. And I sat down and I was like, man, I'm not feeling 
totally fulfilled in my life right now. I get that, definitely. Something's not right. You know, i got to figure this shit out. So I, I sat down, I started doing some deep work, and I did this exercise called the Five Wishes Worksheet. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so basically, I like to begin with the end in mind. And okay. Have you ever written your own eulogy? I have not. No, I have Very powerful. Anyone listening to this, write your own eulogy. So how do you want to be remembered? What do you want your spouse to say about you at your funeral? What do you want your family to say mm-hmm. at your funeral? Your friends, community members. So really, if you begin with the end in mind, then you reverse engineer your life. So I did this worksheet called the Five Wishes Worksheet. Basically, what it says is write down five things that if you died today, have prohibited you from living your best life. Wow. So, you know, one of the things I wrote down was I got to start spending more time with my family. Mm-hmm. You know? But one thing that really stuck out to me and really changed my actions and my life since that point seven months ago was I'm not following all my passion. And, right. I, and at that point when I wrote it, I didn't even know exactly what that meant. Mm-hmm. I just, like, my subconscious was telling me I got to figure I got to figure this out. So I was like, God, what does that even mean, right? My subconscious is telling me I'm not following all my passions. Let's let's do some deep work and figure this out. Like, what do I need to be doing? Right. And my mom, uh, shout out to my mother. She passed away about two and a half years ago. I'm so sorry to hear that. It's all good, man. I got an angel looking over me today. And the lessons that she taught me live through me every single day. So she brainwashed me at a very young age to believe in myself and she taught me that Justin you can do literally anything you want to do and wow. and you can be whoever you want to be and I think that's so invaluable for anyone to teach their, their child that it's the most important thing and then my dad kind of like she she put the dreamer in me and then my dad kind of leveled me off and and it's like all right you can have these big dreams but you've got to have the hard work the determination the drive day in day out work ethic standing behind your word, doing what you say you're going to do. And, and and that really gave me a recipe that I believe I could go and take on the world with. So it kind of gave you that perfect dichotomy of, you know, I think that I can achieve whatever it is that I want yeah. to achieve. And now I actually have the work ethic to be able to put behind it and actually figure out right. how to make this happen. 100%. And my mom was like almost too much of a dreamer. Okay. And my dad's like so much, like didn't come from anything like, Preaches hard work, like literally came from, from you know nothing to something, and I saw that in my whole life. And he's always been a leader, so he really you know has taught me a ton. So I had both of those, but when I was sitting back and thinking, all right, what do I need to be doing? I kind of let that dreamer side of me start thinking. It's like, all right, I can do literally anything, anything, yeah. So what do I need to be doing? You know, like so you begin with it in mind. And it's like, all right, when I die, I want people to say great things about me. I want, I want people to say he always gave more than he took. He always provided value. He he made a big positive impact on the world in a lot of different ways. I don't want to be remembered as a guy uh, that was just successful in business right, and right. had a terrible family life or was just successful in business and didn't make an impact on others in the community and, and and just took more than he gave. So I, I don't want to be remembered as somebody like that. And I was like, all right, how can I make the biggest positive impact in the world? And what I, I 
what I see, you know, I, and then I looked at, all right, we're going to make the biggest positive impact based on my strengths. Right. So what I did was I got super self-aware. And one of the ways I did that, you know, I took a bunch of personality tests over the past few years. Just mm-hmm. become super self-aware. What are my tendencies? What do I like to do? And one of the ways I figured out what I'm passionate about, what I like to do is I wrote a two or three page autobiography that, okay. night, that, gotcha. night, that night when I sat down uh, on Thanksgiving. And it was super powerful, super, super powerful time. Very emotional because you just start going through all these old memories. And I, I literally wrote from the earliest memories up until now. And I, I kind of highlighted and circled the spots where I felt most energized and passionate. Okay. Because there's, I believe that there's certain things inside of everyone that kind of pull and tug at them. Right. And there's a reason that you have that is that you have that drawn to something. There's a, there's a reason that for that. And you have to explore that. Exactly. And so I, I realized for me, it was, I always felt that, when I was bringing people together Mm -hmm. and it's like, I love connecting people. I love getting great people in the right places. And then amazing things always happen from there. Um, so then I started social X to do that, you know, back in the day, I used to throw parties and crawfish boils and all this stuff. Right. But now in the business world, I was like, all right, I'm all about personal and professional development. You know, how can I translate this into the business world? And, and, Personal development, professional development is not sexy. That's true. 100%. It's not sexy. It's the stuff you know behind the closed doors that nobody likes to really look at. Or right. That they have to do. It's not mainstream. Right. And so I was sitting here thinking, I was like, all right, this is what I'm about. I know it's not mainstream, but how can I twist this to, to impact more people, to, to, to make it more popular? I was like, all right, I got I to integrate entertainment and culture with this personal and professional development. You know, if you look at popular culture right now, mm-hmm. a lot of what's being promoted is trash. And, you know, let's just look, for instance, I love rap music, I listen to rap music every day, but a lot of the people that are getting really big in this rap culture are, are promoting, you know, Xanax and Lee. And, right, and, right. and robbing people and stuff. Mm-hmm. What if we can switch it to make this popular content actually about hard work, gratitude, positivity, make it a positive impact. Resilience, perseverance. Yeah. All of that, I think, needs to be amplified more. So I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to consistently do that. But that, that that's also all integrated into social X. And at the end of the day, my, my mission that I set out to do is impact one million entrepreneurs and empower them to become successful in business based around what they love to do. Because I believe that entrepreneurs can solve all the world's problems. I love it. So how am I going to have the biggest positive impact in the world? Well, if I can empower entrepreneurs who then go out, take action and make positive impact on the world through their businesses and their lives, then you can really have a massive ripple effect on this universe. So that, that's what I've set up to do. I love that you said that because uh, it's, I didn't do the five wishes worksheet, but I throughout my own peak performance journey and peak performance is kind of how I am going about the whole, like making that personal development sexy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like being a peak performance mentor. It's important for me to really help people. As you said, as well, reverse engineer, I haven't gone all the way to my eulogy, but you know, I've gone 10, 20, 30, 50 years out in the line. 
and saying, okay, well, what is that end goal in mind? How can I reverse engineer it starting from where I am in my core, my core values, my personal beliefs, and, and all of these things, right? And so one thing that I thought was really interesting is there was a practice that I do called my purpose prayer. So it's not a religious thing. It's more of like a spiritual connection to what my mission, what my purpose on this earth is. And the first line in it is, it's a series of I am affirmations. Because I think I am is the most powerful statement today. So it's I am on this planet cause a ripple effect that positively affects me. Right. Boom. So <laughs> ripple effect is really interesting that you brought that up. But anyway, so many entrepreneurial minded people express the importance of finding their passion, defining your purpose and aligning your talents with your career. So you've expressed that you have these passions and you're trying to intertwine your talents, your passions and your, your way of monetizing all that. So going to that, it sounds like you have a deep passion for connecting with people and bringing people together in a community standpoint. And you also have account for that as well. So dive into that a little bit. Where did that start? Man, looking back at it, and really when I wrote that little two, three page autobiography is when it really became very obvious to right. me that I've done that my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, going back, there's a reason I'm doing that. You know, like I'm, I'm that guy who's always brought people together. So how can I do that to make a positive impact? So, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to throw an event. And I realized, you know, throwing an event takes a lot, a lot of time. Right. Very, very hard. Especially mm -hmm. at first event, because you're building a brand mm -hmm. and brand equity and, and awareness and exposure at the same time. And no one, you've never had an event before. It's going to suck. A lot of events are whack. So I was like, after that event, I was like, wow, that's amazing. I had amazing feedback from it. Lives changed. People loved it. When's the next event? When's the next event? Right. When's the next event? It's like, man, I just spent $70,000 and three months on that event. Jeez, I can't do that once a week. <laughs> right, for real. <laughs> but I can roll this into a mastermind, which I wasn't even planning on doing. Right. It took me two, three weeks after the event to be like, all right, time for a mastermind. Because I, I wanted to continue to build that culture of personal and professional development, of networking, of building relationships, not just on a sur surface level, but relationships where you can call each other out on their bullshit, each other yes. I love it. And to, to grow together yes. and be like, hey, you're not hitting your goals. Like, let's 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 get this shit together. Let's stay focused. Let's yeah. get back on the track. So, like, have those people to really back in. Exactly. What's going on, you know? So, right. And then, so accountability is a big part of it. Networking. And, and through that, you're, if you're, when you're growing with somebody, you're really building a deep relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's spiraled into business ventures. I love it, which is awesome. Yeah, man. That's, that's really powerful that your main focus is on relationships because a lot of the things as I'm starting to interview a lot of these entrepreneurs is they focus a lot more on you talk, you touched on culture and touched on, you know, building a culture of, you know, positive impact and accountability and growth. And I'm assuming you obviously translate that to the culture within your businesses as well, you know, total property solutions and socialites, obviously, you know, so how does that relate whenever it comes to like, okay, you have these skills of building relationships in a, you know, interpersonal way, right? Because I know obviously like in your fraternities and things like that, you were doing that sort of thing in college and that sort of stuff. And then also translating that into business, but then also managing the team. That's a different kind of dichotomy. Building a culture within your team is also slightly different. So how, what, how, what's the difference between those? And how have you kind of approached that? Maybe you could reword that for me. What's the difference between building the connections outside of business and then in business? Correct. Yeah, like interpersonal relationship-wise. Okay. And then translating that to business. What's that process for you? Interesting. 
honestly, it's not much different. You know, I, I treat people in my business, maybe. Okay. Okay. So the difference would be, I, I, I'm going to demand excellence. If you're working with, I will not put up with bullshit. Like, I just don't have time for that. You're here to hold back the vision. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then portraying that vision and, and people will jump on board. There's a lot of people that think they want to be a part of a startup. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people come to me and be like, you know, I love what you're doing. I want to, I want to, I want to try this out. And that's a one or two conversation call. Right. Right. Because if you actually get into a startup and realize, oh, we're actually building something from nothing. Yeah. People yeah. don't understand that. Right. People don't understand that there's no right formula to do every little thing. Like you literally are building brick by brick, every system, every process. And that's not sexy and that's not fun and things break and things go wrong and you figure it out. Right. And it's a constant process of overcoming those failures. You know, I always say failure is the starting point of all growth. You know what I mean? So it's like people see failure as like a means to an end, but I say failure is when you accept that. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, going back to some of those inflection points, what are some of those failures that you've had to overcome as an entrepreneur really starting this off and getting things moving? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a ton. There's a ton. When, when I first started Total Property Solutions, my father, two and a half years ago, we are both, we have very similar skill sets. We're both business development type people. We don't like their, like, we'll get our hands nitty and gritty, but we're not detail oriented. We're right. not very analytical. Very macro to micro, I guess you'd say big vision. Yeah, we're visionaries right. through right. and through. Right. Visionaries. Right. And you need a COO type person to balance you off to integrate and implement your big visions. Um, I'm much the same way, too. It's like I'm, I have this big vision, and I need those people to ground me in the moment saying, okay, how? what is the step by step sequential process that I need to to be able to? build out this this system in the way that I need it, right? A hundred percent. And just knowing that you're ninety-nine percent ahead of most people. Exactly. You know? Having the self-awareness to be able to say, okay, well this is where my downfalls are. People are afraid to look at that stuff. Right. And then you just gotta fill in the gaps from there. Interesting. So um, then real quick to kind of touch on that, you said fill in the gaps from there. So filling the gaps from with other people that have talents in whatever it is that you're weekend, is that what you're saying? Right. And, you know, if you're a young entrepreneur, just go on your solo shop right now, you're going to have to suck it up and do a lot of that stuff to get going. Right. At least make the simplest, highest level SOP, standard operating procedures, which is really just how to do stuff in your business, checklist, video. Right. And then you can start delegating it. That's why we started VA Connections. My third business is because we were showing people literally solo entrepreneurs over and over again in the social life mastermind. Mm-hmm. This is what you do. And they're like, all right, but I got a tight budget. How am I going to get this done? Virtual assistant, man. You can get legitimate, excellent virtual assistants and pay them three or $4 an hour. You're paying 30, 40% above what they would make in the Philippines. And they love you and they work hard for you. Yeah, man. I've been hearing a lot about that too. Cause uh, I was just telling you before we got on mics and stuff about Camilo and he had suggested to me as well, you know, get some VAs, get some people under you that can really help you because I'm doing the whole, you know, the recording, the editing, everything behind the lakes. And it's really kind of bleeding into the productivity of building the business. You know what I mean? Right. You got you to gotta consistently audit your schedule. I time block everything. So do I. 100%. Yeah. Student of the schedule. 100%. Exactly. You got to be a slave of your schedule. You got to study that and understand how you're spending your time and what's not moving the needle forward. 
to like this conversation right now. It's moving the needle forward because we're recording it. Right. It's digitalizing right. myself mm-hmm. to your audience. Right. And you're going to make this podcast massive and right. people are going to come back and listen to episode 21. Of course. And, and of course, I always plan to bring people back on to kind of check yeah. in. Keep and going. then also, I'm investing in this relationship. I appreciate because that. Because I see that you're doing big things and I want to support. Thank you. So that's all moving the needle forward. Right. However, editing a video that I just posted on Instagram two hours ago did not did not move the needal forward. I'm right. gonna do it. Right. You know, right. I'm gonna outsource. You could outsource that kind of right. stuff. Right. So then that brings me to the question of because we talked touched on you said slave of the schedule. What's your process for time blocking and how do you go about that tactfully? Because what I do is, you know, real quick is I'll always be optimizing it. So I'll be changing the data in my calendar, right? So like let's say I have my morning routine on my schedule, wake up at 6 a.m., right? Let's say I, I sleep in until 6.25. I change that in there so that at my end of month review, I can go back and say, okay, well, this is accurate data that I can reflect and project on. What can I eliminate, automate, delegate, and then move forward? That's kind of my process. Yeah, very smart. Yeah, so it first comes out the priorities. you got to get crystal clear on what your priorities are. Like, I have eight things that if I knock out those eight things, I crush my day. I love it. Yeah, I have like a 12-part system to success, like yep. 12 action points I need to do every single day. Yeah. Perfect. Love it. Perfect. So first prioritize what's going to make me happy and fulfilled and productive yes. all at the same time. And then write out a list of everything you got to do and say, okay, this is high income producing and this is fulfilling. Right. Put those in different quadrants. You, seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you haven't read that book, oh, yeah. I highly suggest it because it talks about right, what's urgent and what's not urgent. Right. And then what's important and what's not important. Right, right, right. Anything that's not important, just knock it off. Exactly. Anything, and, and you really want to spend most of your time on what is uh, not urgent and important. I call it the MVPs, most valuable plays or most vital priority. Right. So, I yeah. so I'll do my 12, my system for success is what I call it, the 12 steps every single day. You know, things like meditate and, and intense weight training, and foam rolling and stretching, that kind of stuff, right? And lifestyle maintenance. But then also three MVPs are those most vital priorities that you're, you're kind of touching on. So I kind of comprise that because I heard that Warren Buffett will, he says that people overestimate what they need to be done. And, and there's a lot of that stuff that they need to eliminate off their list. So he'll write a big list of, you know, 15, 20, 30 things that he needs to get done. And then he deletes everything besides three things off. And then he washes and repeats and throws that out. That's kind of how I came up with that MVPs kind of thing. And uh, it's really been kind of a game changer for moving the board. But then it's like, okay, well, how can I optimize the system even further? You keep refining that system. Mm-hmm. So now let's dive into a little bit of the VAs because I'm really interested to hear about that. Like, how do you leverage the use of the VAs to scale your productivity? What are some of the things that you do pass off to them? From like an operation standpoint, obviously, if you're the CEO, you're leading things forward and you're, there's a lot of things that you need to be able to delegate. What are some of those things that you see as high value to delegate? Yeah, so I delegate a lot of stuff to them. Number one, I think is most important is lead generation. Okay. Because that's what drives your business. Right, right. You got to have leads coming to the door so that then you can close. So, and drive revenue, the top line, exactly. the top line of the business. Right. Top line of the P&L for a reason. So, focus on driving that revenue up first. So, how do we do that? Massive outreach. Okay. LinkedIn automation, send out a thousand messages a day through five people. Do Facebook outreach, do Instagram outreach, post on Instagram, social media management. 
um, email outreach, and they're automating all this through the BAs. Automate, automating and delegate. Got so look, the parts that I can automate, I can automate sending out a thousand LinkedIn messages, customized and a follow-up message per day. Right. When they respond, that's delegate. Right. Right. And they have scripts mm-hmm. and they have frequently asked questions and they, they answer that. And then they set the appointment, they go to my calendar, they set the appointments and then I just wake up and it's like, oh shit, look at all these appointments I got today. It's great. There you go. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. And then I delegate a lot. Most of those appointments, nine out of 10 of them, to salespeople. There you go. So that would be number one, most important. Lead generation. Yeah. Right. And then you could also have them monitor emails. Uh, we have, we actually have one. Then you can have them do them like social media management, emails, lead generation, uh, cold calling. I have one, uh, one person cold calling, mm-hmm. 110, 120 calls a day. Uh, set seven or eight appointments from that per day. Um, another, but you can also have them doing the high level stuff. I, I have one uh, VA who is based in the Philippines, hired away from another large VA corporation that is uh, recruiting more VAs, vetting them, and, and, and saying, hey, look, these are the top three virtual assistants that filled out applications today. And then interesting. So he's like managing the VA, like the recruitment of the VAs. Yep. Interesting. Wow. It's a lady, but yeah. Oh, she. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so I think that's you know a lot of the stuff that you're doing is really impactful and really interesting and innovative in the entrepreneur community for the VA connections. I know you said on the other podcast that you just on that there is a difference between how you've marketed your business and, and what the system behind your business is in the VA connection stuff as opposed to like other VA contractors. So go into that a little bit too. Like what's the difference? Yeah. So a handful of our clients that we do something, help get a VA and train them and show them all of our systems and processes. They're paying a VA management company, which is just how about 98%, probably 99% of VA companies are out there. So basically a VA management company versus a VA management company, you pay them between 10 to the twenty-five or thirty dollars, even for some tasks, mm. per hour, and then they turn around and pay the virtual assistants a fraction of that. What we do instead of providing you fish, providing you the finished outcome, we teach you how to fish. We okay. teach you how to get that outcome. So we find well, first we do a discovery call and see what do you need a VA for. We really specialize in lead generation and executive assistant type tasks, and we teach them that. And then we provide the standard operating procedures for them to execute one of those tasks. And we give you an educated and experienced virtual assistant that you can pay three, four dollars an hour to then execute on those tasks. And show you the exact systems and processes that we use how to manage, train, and pay your virtual assistant so that you could scale your business, delegate, and then just focus on closing sales or you know, strategic partnerships. Focus on the higher, higher priority staff. Interesting. Yep. So then how did you go about comprising the system for yourself? Because obviously, I mean, this spurred off as like a side business that you're doing here. But whenever you first started, were you just using the VAs? You just utilize that as a resource and then you kind of figure out the system itself? Or did you have a mentor that was helping you out with that? Or how did that work? Good question. A mixture of both. Definitely uh, trial and error. Right. You know, I used some expensive VAs that I found on Upwork in the past. Mm-hmm. Um realize that you know that gets costly quickly 
Um, and then I actually had, I've, I've tried a few different virtual assistants that have literally just DM'd me on Instagram. It's like, Hey, I see you're connected. And so all this entrepreneurs who are large, have large followings, putting out a lot of content, et cetera. Starts as, Hey, I'll make you a couple free videos and then or edits and then hire me. So I've tried that. I've gotten burned four times doing wow. that. And you, you know, it's kind of, one of those trial and error things, consistently refining your process, getting, right. getting better at vetting, figuring out, oh, they need to have this type of internet connection, you know, this quality, they need to be able to speak this well. So putting all these tests and, and different applications to vet out the bad ones. And we're, whenever I get the final product of maybe hey, the three best ones today, I would hire all three of them. I love it. Love it, man. So, yeah. And then we staff our clients with those people. It's interesting because, you know, I always say that my personality is the perfect blend between the mad scientist and the spiritual work. And so I notice a lot of that mad scientist in you is running these experiments and, and having this sensational curiosity and, and pushing the bounds on, on what you see fit, you know? So how does that relate to you? Do you have that spiritual warrior to balance you out as well? Like, do you have both sides of that? Or, or how do you relate to that? Interesting. Very interesting question you got there. So mad scientists, I definitely, yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes back to that dreamer, dreamer phase where it's, it's just kind of in my DNA. I, I, I like to think big. I like to, to visualize huge, huge outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And then spiritual warrior, I mean, I think that's a continuous, something I'm continuously working on. Right. You know, I, I grew up in a very, very uh, Christian high school Um. And at times, it honestly turned me away. Right. So I'm more of I, I'm more into the faith and into and the spirituality realm of things than like hardcore religion. Right. At this right. point, I'm, I'm very much a someone. Yeah. yeah. So I'm still I'm, honestly, if there's one area in my life that I want to improve the most, I mean, I want to improve all fast, right, exponentially. Right. But I would say it's probably the spiritual side and. One thing that's, that's probably helped me a lot in the past, say, three, four months is starting me- taking meditation very seriously. Yes, I love it. And that's been a total game changer for me. I actually went 33 days in a row, and then I freaking broke it. Oh, I uh, honestly felt that I had did it that day, and right before I went to bed, I was like, do I need to get my meditation in today? No, I already did it. Yeah. <laughs> I fell asleep, woke up the next morning and did my meditation. It started at one, man. Oh, no. Yeah, so now I'm going for 100 days. I love it, man. Well, unfortunately, that you know, you're messing up. But what I notice is I would say what doesn't get measured doesn't get managed. Mm-hmm. Right? So the fact that you tracked it for 33 days, you know what I mean? Like that's something to be at least admirable about. You know, a lot of people aren't that meticulous about their habits, about their routines, about their systems, you know, and stuff. So I really love that you have that kind of process for doing it, even if it's something that you're trying to move on if you're trying to get better at it, you know? So I really like that. And, you know, I've been meditating for about four and a half years now. And the level of intuition, self-actualization that I really developed throughout that process was profound. And so I think that, you know, you're on that that path for sure to be able to really open yourself up to a lot of the intuition coming your way. You were asking how I kind of came up with all that kind of stuff all through that trial and error research kind of stuff as well. So uh, I really like that you try and balance your life out because, you know, it find yourself or you lose yourself a lot in, in the work, in the, in the, you know, the logistics of the business and, and chasing that, that future vision, whereas you need that, that spirituality kind of ground, you, you know. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's been 
massive for me. I wish I would have taken meditation seriously when I first started total property. Yeah. Wow. That was one thing, too. I know that you were talking about David Meltzer, too. He, he was talking to my mentor, Alan, and he'd asked him, like, what were, if you could go back to my age, what would three things that you would give yourself an advice be? And so basically what he said was, he said, the, we talked about the slave of the schedule. That was one of them. Uh, meditate more often, take meditation more seriously. And then I forget what the other one was, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up at this point as well. It's yeah. like, that's something that's really can come up with a lot of these people in the debate. So how do you balance, you know, running three companies right now and still planning these events and still, you know, making time to connect with the right people and then also having that time for your family, the loved ones that are close to you? How do you balance the entrepreneur life with the home life and, and keep everything in check? Good question, too. Yeah, so... I mean, I just literally spend zero time with with people who are not on the same vision as me, to be honest. Right, right. I, I just cut. You can't tolerate it. I, I just cut all the nonsense out of my life. Right, right. Just, just completely cut it off. I love it. And so one thing I wanted to bring to you is the four Ds of time. I don't know if you've heard this before, but the four Ds are um, there's distracted time, directed time, deep time, and downtime. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have your downtime is your rest and relaxation, your R and R. The deep time is earbuds in, doors closed, nobody can get to you, no phone, you're doing your life's work. Directed time is, you know, you you're meditating, you're at the gym, you're brushing your teeth, your lifestyle making stuff. And then the distracted time I think is pretty self mentor. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you've mastered or you're in the process of mastering, eliminating all distraction distracted time. Yeah. So I've just gotten really good at studying my schedule and, you know, making my priorities and then making sure I time block it on my schedule. Mm. I have a pretty good rhythm down, um, you know, wake up at 6 a.m., do my morning routine, which right. includes uh, meditating, working out, uh, reading my affirmations like we get on, reading my goals, healthy meal. Then I go straight into, you know, obviously a shower and all. Right. Then I go straight into... Back to back meetings, so social acts meeting, uh, just basically meetings back to back to back with management team, mm-hmm. set the focus for the day, right. priorities for the day, uh, check up on lead generation. I have a time block for systems creation if I need to make an SOP for anything. Uh, then I go into lunch, which is either strategic networking or I just eat a healthy meal here, meditate, stretch. Then I'm amped up for the second half of my Hello. day, which, yeah. is, which is all calls. Yeah. And then I set, so I'll have like three or four calls, 30-minute time block for stretch meditation, three or four more calls, lunch, same thing as, the, um, sorry, dinner, same thing as lunch, either strategic networking with somebody that I really want to invest in a relationship with or have that time to myself, eat, keep working, um, which is, that's what it's usually, usually that. Mm-hmm. Um and then just kind of like the wind down of the day, in the day. And then you kind of go into your night. Exactly. So I know that you touched on journaling because that's part of my night routine. So I want to dive into what the process of journaling and how that's helped you gain the sense of clarity and self-actualization. I know that you were talking about how when you went through that, that personal development journey, you really relied a lot on your journal to kind of help you get all of these scrambled thoughts into a cohesive message. So how, how has journaling helped you and what's your process? Yeah, you know, I don't journal often, but I've done it at very pivotal moments in my life right. where I, I think journaling is incredibly powerful, especially when you're just feeling a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. You get it all out on paper. 
So the first time I realized how powerful journaling was, my mom passed away, and I literally had to write. I talked about writing your own eulogy, but I had to write her eulogy. And it allowed me to get all my emotions and thoughts out on paper Mm -hmm. and kind of be introspective and and really think about all my thoughts, kind of, you know, kind of just let it all out. Right. And that, I felt a hundred times better after that. Because, I mean, it was like, it was several months of watching your mom die and it's, it's, it's terrible. And just so many emotions piled up. And after I did that, I was like, it just released it all. Right. It, you just were bottling it all in, holding it all in. And then it just builds and builds and builds. And you get to this tipping point where you're like, you know, I always say you have to step up or shell up. Right. And so that's one of those inflection points as well, where it's like, you know, I'm faced with this trauma. I'm faced with this pain. You can choose a virtue or you can choose a vice. And at that point, you know, a lot of people will turn to, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever the case may be, you know, and they go into those vices to try and, and bury, you know, push it down and, and just completely escape that kind of stuff. So kudos to you for actually stepping up in that, that pivotal moment of your life and actually like having the courage to stand up at, at your mother's funeral and actually say something, you know, that really came from heart. So kudos to you for that. So transitioning back into the whole business side of things too is like, it seems like you are very systematized when it comes to using your the way that you write things down, the way that you record things because you have the SOP practice that so how much of your system do you actually like record and, and actually have like different documents or whatever the case may be to have those SOPs? how important is those SOPs to foundation of your business well it's it's vitally important and i have my entire business on sops and total property solutions we have like literally 100 page like my two new businesses i use uh, an app called trainual okay um website called Trainual and basically have a checklist and a video for like everything. Mm-hmm. And the real thing is, is you got to look at the time and say, do I want to be doing this for the rest of my life? Right. If the answer is yes, then okay, maybe you don't need an SOP unless you just want to train something else on that because mm-hmm. you just keep doing it. If you want to hand that thing off, you better create a freaking SOP. <laughs> right. Right. So um, what are three things that you've learned uh, running your own companies that you haven't learned any other way that you couldn't have learned any other way. What are three things that you've really learned and grown about yourself or about business or about life in general, just by going through the process of entrepreneurship? First thing would be protect your energy and be very, um, cognizant and aware of people you're letting into your life whether it be on the client side or the employee and team building side. I Moving forward, I'm only working with clients and people on my team that I really, really enjoy. Like, I could have a client say, I'll pay you an enormous amount of money, but if I'm going to hate dealing with them every day, it's not worth it. Sounds like that's a, whole, a new shift, I guess you could say, in the entrepreneurial world because – the relationship aspect of things is such a huge part. He will not work with clients, even if it's a high ticket, you know, mm-hmm. account, just for the sole fact that they're going to be making money off of it. You know what I mean? So, you know, yep. I think that that's a big shift in the entrepreneurial world for sure. Is like, let's actually base our business off building the right relationships with the right people. You know, I so agree. I absolutely love that. So, do you have? Or I'm sorry, did you 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 didn't finish all three? Yeah. So that was the first one. So that goes on the employee side as well. Right. It's right. like people really got to buy into the vision of what we're doing. 
And if if there's even like contractors and stuff like video guys, you know, that's like, oh, that dude is very talented video. Mm-hmm. I'll tell them my vision. And if they're not like jumping at the opportunity to get on board, like who's gonna wait? It's not worth my yeah, time. Yeah, right. we're gonna find somebody else. Right. Because I want people that are so on board with what we're doing and where we're going that they it's like they I gotta work. Like they see the value in what you're trying to create. Right. It's not just right. another job. Exactly. It's like right. I'm on board with this mission vision to impact a million entrepreneurs to make a big positive impact in the world. I love that. I love that. Um, second, I would say that you can only learn through business. Through your entrepreneurial journey, through the failures. Because you learn a lot about yourself. You that's that's a good point. Failures. Man, I so many people just have the thought of failure backwards. Like when you fail, you got to really appreciate that failure because you're getting closer to where you want to go. So much closer. Yeah. You're getting closer. You figure out what did work and what didn't, didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then you, you're, you're literally, life is just an upward loop. An up, every right. upward loop. You go up, set big goals. You, you, you're making progress to that goals. Boom. You hit a roadblock. You're going down. You're going down right. the loop. You learn. And then you go back up. Ray Dalio puts this so beautifully in his book called Principles. Principles. Have you read that book? Yes, I have. Oh, man. So so good. Right in the middle of it, talking about just this upward loop. Set huge, audacious goals. You're going to fail. You're going to learn, and you're going to go even higher. Right. That's how I look at every failure. The way I kind of look at it is I say um, the timing of our lives is perfect. Don't question it right away. So I think of five, right? So, like, everybody has their own biorhythms hormonally and situationally like well and i see it kind of like i guess the spiral makes a lot more sense but like you have your peaks and then you have your troughs and then it's like your peak is higher than your last peak but then your trough is higher than your last trough and you're kind of going on this upward scale or for some people that aren't self-actualized or don't have a direction downward scale mm-hmm. uh towards you know that's kind of the process of living that's how i see that it's like and having the awareness to know, okay, I'm at a peak right now. You know, maybe when you were at that social X event and you were you were on stage crushing, everyone's coming up to you and dapping you up and everything like that. It's like I'm at this peak, I can feel it. But then you also have to keep in the back of your mind that that humility to say, where's the trough coming? You know, like I can anticipate now the fact that that trough is going to be coming. And then also, it's very important when you're in that trough, those down moments, those failures, those struggles, those hardships, those essays, that you always remember that there's always a rainbow after the rain. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, so that, that segues perfectly into number three. Go for it. Which is, just because you're on a peak doesn't mean you're staying at a peak for everybody. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, people always get caught up in, in the vanity, right? And they feel like that's always going to last forever, right? But when people realize, especially being an entrepreneur, you're 100% in control of sustaining your lifestyle and sustaining the jobs for everybody that's under you. Now, that's a huge responsibility. Taking on that responsibility, it takes someone cut from a block. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, you know, that's that's something that's really hard to take on. And but people also feel like when they're they're winning, they're always going to win. And it seems to be there's this common trend of people that you know Gerard Adams or you know there's a couple other stories too that I can think of off the top of my head of people that had that that big win in the beginning and then dropped off and they lost all their money they went bankrupt uh, donald trump is another example of people that done that you know and so it's like you always have to remember if you want to keep sustainability long term then you have to stay humble in the moment and, and not allow your ego to kind of get the best of you has, has that been an internal struggle that you've had to deal with as you've been ascending through your process of entrepreneurship 
100%, really my whole life, whenever I felt invincible, I it's it's almost it's obvious my ne- my next felt like big failure downturn is coming. Whenever I feel invincible, right? That's right. happened a few times in my life. It's like, oh, I'm on a roll, man. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a very confident person, but that confidence, if I ever let it turn to arrogance, is when the downturn. And that goes perfectly into the, the metrics that I was talking about earlier too. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the quadrants and everything. So, yep. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about too are some of your entrepreneurial aspirations. Who are some of the people that really like inspired you and, and that you have kind of learned from to adopt your own style of entrepreneurship? Who are some of the top three that entrepreneurial uh, inspiration? I know you said Grant Cardone was one of them. Yep. Grant, Grant, Grant Cardone, you know, he was one of the first ones that just popped in my mind when, when you brought that up. He taught me that he changed my perspective on sales. On sales, okay. So I'm a natural business development, marketing, and sales type of person. However, I didn't realize when he, he taught me that literally everything is a sale. Your girlfriend's a sale. Right, right. You know, go, where you're going to go eat dinner tonight is a sale. Mm-hmm. Although you might not be hard selling something, right, right. it's still, it's a sale. You're convincing somebody. Right. Even if you're doing it low key. I agree with that. You're always so, selling yourself, your personality. After, yeah. After I uh, read Seller Be Sold in college, I remember it. <laughs> I was driving back up in my truck from Baton Rouge to Ole Miss, and man, I just wanted to start selling everything. Right, which was good and bad thing because it was good number one because I understood the importance of sales. I realized everything was a sale. It was bad because I started selling everything, and you shouldn't sell everything. You should only sell stuff that you would buy yourself and that you really could do that. Right, right. Which, that's when I learned that lesson. Mm-hmm. I just started selling like five things. Right, right, right. <laughs> So yeah, don't don't sell stuff that you want to buy yourself and that you don't hundred ten percent believe in. You know, do your due diligence on the company because I was selling something that not necessarily was I, I thought was bad, but the but the company behind it was a little. Okay, I got that. Yeah, so I think that also kind of connects to why you have such a strong core value of making sure that you're, you're only working with employees and customers that are so congruent with your mission. You know, right. and so I think that it's really interesting how. Most people have this entrepreneur game kind of backwards, in my opinion. It's like people go, they say, okay, I, I see the highlight reel on Instagram. Uh, you know, people driving the Lambos, Tim Sykes, and, and Ty Lopez, and people like that. You know what I mean? And it's like that's what they're chasing. They're chasing that end result. And there's this, like, iceberg effect where they're only looking at the result, and they don't see all the hard work and all of that that it takes. And also, I, I think that people are trying to start with, you know, you, you were talking about starting with the end in mind, but they don't start with their core first to help them define that end that means the end. And I think that that's really important as well is like that shows that, I mean, you've taken that process to make sure you know who you are before and then you develop your systems, your core values, your culture within your business around who you are as a person first and then an entrepreneur second. So I really love that. What would be some of those tips that you would, you would bring to some brand new entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think you you hit the nail right on the head. You really got to do deep work first. You can't have a successful business without being successful first internally Mm -hmm. yourself. I take that back. You can, which you might wake up in 10 years and be like, what did I just create? This this is not the life that I wanted. So I really think it goes back to being self-aware, understanding who you are, what you're good at, 
scratching every itch of curiosity. It's like, why am I feeling so drawn to this? Mad scientist right there. Yeah, there's a, there's a reason. Explore that. And then, you know, find your purpose in that. And then go into the personal productivity of mastering your schedule, mastering yourself, meditating, working out, doing all that personal development type stuff. And then go into it. Right. And right. then start that business based around all the things I just talked about. Mm-hmm. And then really that's where you get the business foundation and you start collaborating and networking and continuously learning and, and trying and failing and consistently trying to get one percent better every gotcha. day. Gotcha. And so we, we had talked about Greg Cardone being one of those entrepreneurial um, inspirations for you. What are two other ones for you? Do you have two others that you have come up with right off the top? For sure. So Dave Meltzer has been a guy that I've been studying a lot. He is just such a genuinely good person. Agree. And you can you can feel that as soon as you meet him. His energy, right? Yeah. Great energy, very authentic, vulnerable. Not as the only. Not only is he a, a business mogul, but you talk to a lot of guys that are successful in business, and they're they can be arrogant, and you know their head wouldn't fit in this room. Right. And what I call it that is I say it's the Jordan Belfort effect. You know, so it's like the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort. It's like back to that point you said as well about you know, don't start with that deep work first. You won't start with the right genuineness of intent, and you build a company, and then you realize you know a few years in, you're like, shit, like what did I just create? You know, and then you could, the whole Wolf of Wall Street story is ended up scamming a bunch of people. Everybody knows it, but that's kind of why I call it the Jordan Belfort effect. Those people have those big egos, and really that's a sign of insecurity, the sign of weakness. Stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like okay, have all the slash stuff, but you don't have any walk to talk, really. You know, but then on to the third one. Yeah, so the third that, that's a good point. But uh, the third, I guess it could be tied. So Gary V, obviously, is kind of a mainstream one, right? Uh, I just love the way I, I had the opportunity to recently meet him actually last week. Also, very authentic, practice what he preaches. Um, very empathetic, very in tune, very, uh, for a guy that hustles as hard as he is, or as hard as he does, you can tell that he's very present, he's a very good listener, and he truly means well. And you can tell by the types of people that he also carries around, like his executive assistant I was talking to, uh, Tyler uh, is his name. Very good people. Uh, D-Rock, talked to him for not long, but you just tell that they're, you know, they're grounded, they're good people. They're yeah, they're hustling, right? But it, it's just cool to connect with teams like that. Mm-hmm. Unique culture. And then I guess I'll, I'll say the fourth, Patrick Bet to be. Okay, I got you. Got yeah, Valentine guy. Okay, got you. Yeah. He stole that name from me. What a good name. <laughs> I'm all about you know pushing you know uh, personal and professional development, but also trying to make it entertaining. Right. And I think he he really snagged a good name there. Definitely. Um. But dude, his advice that he gives is so practical. Mm-hmm. If you watch it, I have watched a lot of his yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, I listen to him a lot when we're down. Another one that I want to touch on too is I, I love Tom Bailey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Impact theory and, and quest nutrition as well. I think when it comes to if you want to model yourself as an entrepreneur, I think people like Gary B, Patrick, Bet David, uh, you know Tom Bailey, all of these people, Grant Cardone as well. You know, they're all they all come from a place of genuineness of intent and trying to impact the world in a better place and, and teach people the right tactics and strategies moving forward going into the value team, the entertainment but making it valuable and, and that sort of thing as well so I love that that's kind of how you're curating your content for social X as well so let me ask you one more question then on the social X side of things 
are you so the content that you bring to um, social ed is it like an educational program in conjunction with a mastermind or is it the people that you bring into the mastermind are teaching what they know their mastery that kind of thing how does that work they're actually like a course you take as well in social ed that kind of gets you accelerated or anything like that great question um, I don't know if you I don't think I've talked about this on a podcast so if you just read my mind or what this is pretty timely yeah so we actually are going to be rolling out a course uh, within the next few months and there's going to be several iterations growing on top of it because this is really like a lifelong project for right. me that I really believe that I can make a big uh, impact in the entrepreneurial education system and really reforming the education as a whole so much. I want to start with the entrepreneurial education system. Um, but, you know, with the mastermind, we have two to three successful business owners, entrepreneurs, thought leaders coming and teaching on their area of expertise every single week. So, you know, there are, everyone in the mastermind is getting a ton of value, a ton of knowledge from them, also able to build that connection, that relationship. Right, right. Relationship capital. Exactly. But we're also putting some more structure around that right now starting with some of the things that we already hit on, starting with self-awareness, finding your why, finding your purpose, going into personal development stuff of personal productivity, and then going into the business foundation stuff where you're talking about actually step-by-step step, what do you need to do to get your business off the ground, get it incorporated, get your branding right, get your marketing messages out there, uh, lead generation, sales, and then from there, accounting, finance, scaling your team, scaling your business, um, all that stuff's going to be covered. So I'm really, really excited about that. Really? That's awesome, man. And, and I kind of just logically put the pieces of the puzzle together when you were talking about the nine team and, and then just kind of saw where it went there. But yeah, man, I absolutely love what you're doing. Uh, we are getting close to an hour here, so I am going to start bringing it to a close here. So we are the hero of our own journey, our own story. You shared your story with the dive tribe up until this point. So what's that next chapter look like? Yeah, next chapter is literally just continue to do what I'm doing right now at a, at a larger and larger scale. It's completely scaling things up and bringing social acts to the globe. Exactly. So I want to continue scaling social acts mastermind while still keeping a close knit feel in it. Okay. Small accountability groups, still everyone's connecting, building relationships. I don't want it to get watered down and get too big uh, to where it's kind of impersonal. Right. Um, and they keep helping as many entrepreneurs through that platform as possible. They really want to scale that. I think the course is going to have a major, major impact. We continuously keep doing events because I, I believe that in-person connection is very important. Um, VA Connections is going to supplement Social X, really a complementary business, right? Right. Um, to help people, you know, create those systems to scale. I love it. Um, and, and then on the real estate side of things, I plan on building just a ridiculous amount of wealth through that to where it, it enables me to aggressively attack all my passions and and my purpose and like to impact others. So, so and, and then also have an enormous amount of wealth to pass on. Yeah, man, that's, that's the goal. It sounds like you're in the process of building that dream life for yourself, man. And that's one of the things that I do with my coaching. Like, what is that ideal 10 lifestyle that dream life looks like to you? And you are definitely on track. So I just want to take a second to commend you on your genuineness of intent, your deep internal self-awareness and actualization, your clarity on where it is that you're going in the long term, and your genuine mission to impact a million 
And it's probably going to be more than that entrepreneurs throughout your lifetime because you have the courage to stand up and say, you know, I'm going to take this mission on and I'm going to lead the way for this new generation of entrepreneurs. So thank you for your contribution to the world and the entrepreneurial world specifically for everything you do. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, definitely appreciate that. So uh, towards the end here, I always allow people to plug. So what's how can people follow you, get connected with you? You know, feel free to plug any social medias, any upcoming works. You got the business, everything like that. How can people reach you and follow this next chapter of your journey? Yeah, definitely. So reach out to me if you if you listen to this podcast. Shoot me a DM at jcav at jcav on Instagram. That's the best way to get in touch with me. Always talking about my businesses. Always trying to give it away as much free value as possible on there. Love to connect with like-minded individuals. So I'd say follow me on Instagram at jcav. Love it, man. Well, thank you. And uh, much respect, much love, much gratitude to you, a man, and the Dive Tribe for signing off in three, two, one.